Ministry Mentorship, Episode 23. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of developing their ministry. Before we get started with today's podcast, I'd like to remind you to check out our podcast on iTunes and you can get weekly updates and by going to ministrymentorship.com backslash podcast and there'll be a link there where you can subscribe. You can also help us spread the word about this ministry by liking or sharing this interview. Your help is greatly appreciated as we endeavor to connect apostolic leaders with young people. Also, don't forget to make plans to watch our Ministry Mentorship Live Bible Study on Tuesday, November 26th at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. The participants for this Bible study will include myself, Angela Harwood, Micah Wisdom, and special guest, Lori Wagner. Go to ministrymentorship.com to find out more. In this episode, we're going to be talking with North American Missions Director for the United Pentecostal Church, Reverend Carlton Kuhn. Brother Kuhn has been involved in ministry for many years. He has a deep desire to impact the next generation and to develop leaders in the apostolic movement. You can find out more about Carlton Kuhn at his website, www.truth-publications.com. Let's join the conversation now. We're glad to have Brother Carlton Kuhn with us today. Uh, He has served as a pastor, an evangelist, and he's currently serving as the director of North American Missions for the United Pentecostal Church International. He and his wife Norma have been married for 34 years and just a tremendous minister and preacher of the gospel. Brother Kuhn, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Brother Tapia, for the effort that you're taking to to connect the people and, and allow them to have access, I guess, to voices. I, I call it sometimes just voices that need to be heard. I don't know that I always fit in that category, but uh, you're doing a good job bringing people out, giving access. Well, thank you. You are kind of a part of this. Uh, when I was working, uh, trying to pay off some debt, I would listen to the North American Missions podcast, and so that really had an impact on me. Good. I'm glad it did. Now, tell us a little bit of your story. Well, uh, I was I was raised in, in a United Pentecostal church. My parents are, are faithful even today. Uh, Dad's 82. My mom's several years behind him but um if 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 they're physically well they are they are at church so my heritage was one of of absolute involvement absolute commitment to the church and i'm i'm grateful for that for that heritage um i began being involved uh in some old teaching of sunday school and that sort of thing when i was about 12, I guess, and um, and that was kind of sporadic. When I was, and I'd always felt like that probably what I would be would be a preacher to youth camp where A.D. Spears was preaching. I really felt a confirmation of that. Uh, later went and visited with my pastor about it. He was he was a little he's a little surprised. I, I have a friend, 
Stan Davidson is the is the district superintendent of Alabama now. And, and uh, we were raised two miles apart. And and uh, Brother Carlin said, "Well, Carlton, I, I I figured Stan would be a preacher, but I just didn't see that in you." And uh, so it wasn't it wasn't a high point of encouragement from him, but. Then he turned right around in a few minutes, and he called a, a neighboring preacher, uh, Ross Allen, and uh, he said, "Hey, brother Allen, I've got a I've got a young fellow here who thinks he may be called to preach. If you'd ever like to use him, we'll just just invite him." And and uh, somewhat to my dismay, brother brother Ross said, "Well, do you think he could come Wednesday night?" And this this conversation was happening on Monday, so I. And and uh, what else could I say? But sure, I didn't have anything else to do <laughs> other than be at home in my local church. So went and went and preached for for Brother Allen, and and uh, I was sixteen at that point, and uh, uh, preached a bit locally. Whatever, went to college, secular college, and, and while I was in college, pastored uh, a handful of folks out in. Uh, Fairfield between, uh, we'll take you way back out in the country between Colfax and Dry Prong, Louisiana. I was 19 and single at that point. Did the pastoring for, for a number of months, left there to go evangelize and evangelize for seven years, and then uh, stepped into a very young church in Vidalia, Louisiana, pastored there for eight years, and then, and God blessed us, the church grew. And then on Springfield, Missouri, and again, God bless the church group. Um, it, it's been it's been enjoyable. Uh, not all of it's perfect. Nothing is. Uh, spent some years as a bivocational pastor, and uh, and uh, been through, I guess, most of life's ups and downs, like like everybody else has. But I I certainly didn't anticipate, and it's obvious, Brother Carn didn't anticipate. Uh, when I was 15 or 16, this particular form of life. So that gives just a little quick overview of uh, the story. Now, you, you mentioned that you felt a confirmation when you were at that camp meeting. Talk a little bit about that confirmation and and feeling that, I, whatever you'd call the 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 calling or the, the pulling of God for ministry. Well, the... The sense that I had was that all along the way is that is that this was my destiny. Now I never talked about that with my parents. I never talked about it with my friends. Um, but I was I was really relatively comfortable. Oh, if if uh, at a youth meeting, youth service, which we had back then, if a sermonette was needed or or whatever the term would be, I. I I was pretty comfortable uh, doing those things and diligently worked at it if if it was my assignment. Um, and so, I, and this probably is going to sound strange, but I just never had in my mind another career option. I never felt like, well, I'm going to be a doctor or a lawyer, not that I had the grades to get into either of those areas, but uh it, it was it was basically my sense that I, I will become a preacher of the gospel um 
and again, was not verbalized, was not talked about, but uh, at, at this youth camp, A.D. Spears preaching, um, it, it was just a, a sovereign move of God, both for that event and then to move us toward the future, because at that Louisiana youth camp, uh, myself, uh, the late Joe Guin, uh, Tim and Tom Foster, uh, you know, probably um, names escaping me from South Louisiana, quite a number of us anyway, got this affirming direction from God that this is what we were to do. And it, it came at, in prayer at the altar for me after a service that you know, it's time to take this up a notch and, and accept this and verbalize it and speak faith about what is going to happen. So, uh, again, always felt the sense that this is what I would be, but didn't didn't begin to communicate or talk about that until I uh, reached a point where I really felt that affirmation. You talked about the first time that you preached. How did that go? I mean, how was how did it turn out? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and and I don't think I've ever told this story. I know I haven't. Um, uh, number one, my, my sermon was from Luke 15. I, I do remember the text, the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, the church was was way down the bayou, um, down Black River <laughs> in Louisiana. So you, you to, to understand how rural this was, you 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 crossed. Uh, across the, the bridge, the Black River Bridge at Jonesville, just past the bridge, turn right onto a levee road, and you followed that levee road, the last part of which was just grass and gravel, to a community and and drove down the levee, and just to the right there was, was the church building, and of course, much of the community, it would have been, it would have been built there when, when, um, there would have been a, a thriving community of sharecroppers and whatever. Well, mechanization of farming had changed all of that, so the population had basically moved away. There's a handful of people left, and uh, all there was probably 12 or 15, and many of them had been in the church for for decades, much longer than I'd been alive. The The part that's interesting and the part I've never told is that my home church would have been considered in some ways liberal in regard to to rings. So they let us wear uh, uh, class rings. And so I'm getting ready to graduate from from uh, high school. I have my I have my class ring on, and and I'm sitting there beside brother brother Ross, and uh, he leans over to me and whispers. He said, "Now, now we don't wear rings and." in this church. So, so if you're going to, if you're going to preach here tonight, you've got to take that ring off. And, uh, this is my first experience. Now I'm just, I'm just oblivious to there being any, any differences in what anybody believes anywhere. You know, this was just kind of out of the blue. And of course I, I, I took my ring off, put it in my pocket. and I might've wore it a few more times. Eventually it was lost, but it was, um, uh, you know, I guess I guess I was I guess
guess I was naive at the same time I was resilient because it didn't <laughs> it didn't affect me. I you know, I just I just got up and did what feeble thing I was gonna do. The altars were not full at the end of my <laughs> preaching, I can assure you. It was it was uh and nobody asked for a copy of the tape, I'm sure, but uh, uh it was uh so that was that was quite a launch. Wow. It's always fun to hear the first time. I know my first time preaching was I had I think I thought I was Jeff Arnold reincarnated. And and it was it was pretty intense, let's just say that. <laughs> well, and if you use if you use the terms that Brother Arnold uses sometimes, that, that uh, <laughs> we all have gone through those seasons where we think, Well, that's that's what success looks like. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do what he does or do what some other person does and, and uh uh, it, it didn't work for me real well. Now, Brother Kuhn, talk about developing that personal vision for your life. Well, let me say this. I think that vision is is constantly a shifting target in one sense. In other words, what I'm saying is that is that my vision of the next 20 years of my life, if the Lord gives me that to live, will is very different than what my vision of my life would have been when I was when I was 30, and certainly different than when I was 18. At, at the younger stages of life, vision is generally seen in the short term. It's it's the next year. It's the next two or three years. It's it's a rare young person and a young person who is extremely blessed if he can see, he or she can see, uh, here's the steps I'm taking to be here, to be at this point in my life when I'm 40. I, I think that the key to development is is developing somehow the right mindset of, of having a vision and and in some ways, the vision is about the next thing. This is my next step. Here's what I've, and again, I'm talking about this era of life. Here's what I'm doing with the idea being that this outcome will be the result of it. I hear the proponents that say, here, sit down and write out your personal vision statement for your life. And uh, I at 19, I don't, I don't know that I was ready to do that. I was blessed by people coming into my life who were mentors, people who spoke into my life, people who encouraged me to read particular books. And then uh, as a pastor, uh, spent a number of years, as I've already mentioned, in secular employment. And uh, that secular employment paid to educate me in both leadership and administration and things I use today. I wasn't enjoying particularly being a bivocational pastor, but, um, but those resources, I, I guess what I'm trying to say with that is, is that to advise the young person to, to make sure they have people in their life who can, who can pour into them, not, not all of it verbally, but, can, and not all of it with the giving of their time, but they can pour into that young person a bigger picture. Um, 
you know, if a young person comes to me today and says, help me think about where I'm going to be at, at 45, I can give some perspective. I can say to them, here's some things to do. I can't paint the picture for them. And I'm not sure they can paint the picture for themselves at that stage because life has so many twists and turns. But at that stage, you can say, okay, in the next year, I'm going to read X number of books. In the next year, I'm going to take X number of classes. In the next year, I'm going to sit down and have a conversation with uh, this number of preachers who are older than I am, men who have been church planners, men who have been missionaries, men who have been evangelists, women of God who have done such and such. And and from them, I begin to draw things uh, that that help shape me. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, even even for me coming into this, I'm just coming out of my 30s, or I'm sorry, out of my 20s. And I can, as I look back, I can see that, you know, I kind of had a general feel for what I was going to do. But it was like you said, men uh, and women of God, books, resources, my education, that all has kind of helped unfold or maybe shape that to where I maybe have a little more clarity now than I did. Maybe not exactly, you know, I'm going to be here in five years, but I know what I'm going to be doing and I know the direction I'm going. Is that kind of what you're, what you're saying? Yeah, I think, I think the key is just what you said. This is, this is my direction. This is where I'm going. And one of the, one of the things that, one of the things that younger preachers uh, fret about and frustrate themselves over is is that there will be peers in your age group there will be peers in in every uh, arriving era who who have the right genealogy they have the right uh, promoters sometimes they're even very good at self-promotion and there will be faithful men, faithful women who, uh, who, who have none of those things, who sit back and nobody notices them. Nobody gives attention to them. And the tendency, and, and I know because I was there, the tendency is, wait a minute, I'm, I'm as capable as that person, but I'm not being invited to preach a youth camp. I'm, I'm as capable as that person, but I'm not being elected to such and such office. Um, not even sectional youth representative. But if if a person will just make sure that in spite of the feelings, the feelings we have to own, the feelings feelings are, are honest. Um, but it's what we do with those feelings of uh, of frustration and sometimes it can even move on over into jealousy. Um, you know, if we can figure out a that hey, this these things really don't matter. I want to be faithful to God. I want to serve God. That that's so vital that the that the young man who again does not have the in the secular world they call it the rabbi, the person who will promote you, the person who will push you, who will talk about you, the person who does not have that individual around them. Uh, and then they're they're just not a self promoter. Um, 
time has a way of changing lots of things and uh, moving faithful people and people with capabilities to the front. Wow, that's so true. So true. Now let's let's talk for a little bit about North American Missions. Now you're the director of North American Missions. How long have you served in that position? Uh, nine years now. G- give us a, a, a kind of an overview or a report maybe of kind of what's happening in North American Missions right now. Well, in many ways, this is uh, this is prime time for uh, planting churches in North America. Uh, there's uh, there's just an incredible rise of momentum. We see an expansion of we see an expansion of how that there are diversities of approaches. I think is the right way to say this. Um, there there was a phase where where we said to every North American missionary, you need to go and stay and plan to stay fifteen years or 10 years or five, whatever the case would be. But, um, and that's true for the majority of missionaries. But there are people who God has just gifted to start churches. And um, the label we're using is career church planner. We're seeing an increase in the exposure. And we're seeing, and as there is increase in exposure, we're seeing an increase in the number of people who are coming out of the woodwork and say, that's that's my call. So that's very positive things. The, the second thing that I think needs to be celebrated is that for most of our districts, we're now edging up where that significantly above 10% of the district's churches are on mission status, churches less than five years old. Uh, we will see that continue to increase, have faith in that. Third thing that I, I feel like needs to be celebrated, just the, uh, the numbers of people who are being impacted by church plants. Rick Gonzalez and his wife just preached at our general conference. Uh, in, in the church that Brother Gonzalez started, the mother church and then the daughter churches, several of which are now autonomous in and around Chicago, really all of them in Chicago, um, you know, Sunday there will be over 900 in attendance in those churches. Uh, numbers resonate for us. I, I was just in um, it's just in Montreal this past weekend for Filipino conference, and um, brother brother Graham, Paul Graham, pastors a, a great thriving church there that has that has now begun sending, well, for several years, been sending out preaching points, daughter churches. It's just expanding, exploding with growth. Uh, that church this weekend, not a push Sunday, uh, 1,176 in their daughter churches, preaching points, and, and main campus. Um, those are very positive things. We did some research uh, several years ago, and the average church plant would have right at 39 in Sunday attendance, which when we compare that to, to a church that's got 400, 
doesn't sound like a lot, but this is a baby church. It's on the way to eventually perhaps having 400 or 100 or 200. And then the part of the equation that I think just does not get any thought given to it unless somebody points it out is that 60 to 80% of the people who are in that 39 are people who a year ago were not attending a church of any kind. So this is this is kingdom growth. If we talk about having 500 churches that are averaging, reaching 20 people who a year ago were not attending church, you're looking at 10,000 converts, wow. 10,000 people who were not being reached a year ago. So, mm. And many of our older, stronger, established churches can't show that they're having that kind of increase. Talk to that person right now that as you uh, were talking about these church plants and, and the growth that you're seeing in, in this, you know, reaching lost souls, this is brand new people. Talk to that young person right now that felt that tug on their heart right there where you're talking about starting a church, you're talking about reaching the lost, and they're saying, you know, Brother Coon, I feel like that's me. I feel like I'm going to do that. Right now I've got two kids, I'm going to school, I'm working a full-time job, but I, I really feel like God is speaking to my heart about doing that in the future. What would you say to that young person? Well, the first thing I would say would be to um – uh, you know, obviously, pursue pursue that vision and pursue uh, lifting the awareness of what church planning is is really like and what it's really about, um, and, and do that in several ways. If if a person's younger and and doesn't have kids, go on one of the AYC trips. Uh, next year's AYC trips will include uh, New York. And Los Angeles as the first time in history that we've had two AYC trips here in North America. We've just had an explosion of, of young people who want to be involved in them. So for the younger person, that that would be a, a real suggestion. Um, and then many of our districts and even local churches have started doing uh, missions trips to go help an existing church planner. So just the first thing I would say would be to to really become familiar with what church planting is like and what it's about and and the the grungy side of it. I mean, we we celebrate the twenty uh, or thirty new people who were not attending a church before. We do not celebrate going in every Sunday and getting there two hours before church to have to set up chairs and sound equipment and all of the stuff uh, a person needs needs to really know what's involved they, they really need to know that the church we just de- dedicated in mission vao the fellow who who set up the sound equipment every sunday calculated that in the 10 years they had been renting various spaces that he had laid out uh 21 miles of cable Wow, and uh, huh. you know they really need to, they really need to see that they need to think that this and again, if a person sees it and understands you know i there's hard work behind this. If I could use a sports analogy, you know i I can sit here in my office and say, boy, I'd like to be an n f l middle linebacker 
and uh, show up on Sunday and let's let's do this thing. And um, and that's fine and good, but uh, there's there's Tuesday through Saturday, <laughs> and there's preseason and there's all the all of the stuff of training camps and uh, sitting and watching film that go into being that successful little linebacker. So I'm trying to get people not just to see game day, but to see the preparation for game day as being very important. Um, the second thing I would, and what I just covered is kind of broad, they really need the awareness of the whole scope of it. The second thing is that the person who wants to, who really is feeling their, their heart move this direction, need to become a soul winner where you're at and reach people. Uh, everybody can reach somebody. It may start with children's evangelism. It may start with meeting people at the coffee shop. But if a person's introverted, start now practicing, smiling, having a conversation, starting a conversation with people. Um, because when you plan a church, there, there's nobody to bring people. You've got to bring them yourself is, is the general rule. Third thing, just as a basic premise, is get out of debt. Um, it's hard to plan a church when you're working 60 hours a week just to survive and get all the credit card bills paid. So before you ever go, uh, get yourself out of debt, get things paid for, and um, makes it much, much easier when a person then goes to plant a church. You know, Brother Kuhn, I, I, I want you to speak to that young person right now that maybe they're frustrated and they just feel like, you know, I'm stuck. I just feel like I'm, I'm just beating my head against a brick wall. What would you say to that young person right now? Well, I would, I would say that, that, um, that there are times when we are there, when we, when we are stuck and we are kind of banging our heads against the wall and, and some of that's by divine design. We're not made what we are by by ease and luxury. We're we're made what we are by by the difficult things we endure. The the concept of iron sharpening iron means that there's some clash of metal against metal. It, it's not just iron's not sharpened by marshmallows. There's there's difficult things that that happen. The eagle stirring the nest is a painful experience. And then just the, the times of frustration, but the response to the frustration is the key. And the response to the frustration, and it, it so depends on, on the circumstance of life, but, uh, but a premise that I think overrides all of it is in in the situation to to pray and not just to pray my frustrations but to pray through my frustrations to pray until there is a sense of victory in me regardless of the outcome of this i'm a child of god i'm a saint of god and it's going to be all right and then the next day the same Feelings of frustration are there. Well, what do I do today? You go back and again, you pray through the frustration and reach point 
again for that day where there is that sense of, of and and maintaining that right spirit, right attitude, not not kicking back, I guess, is, is a good way to say it. Smiling when we don't want to smile. Serving when we don't want to serve. Um, being faithful in the small things, again, when we when we don't want to. And I've watched the Lord just just open doors then of opportunity for a person to walk through. And uh, when they open, uh, the person's got to be ready to, to step out with faith at that point. Well, as we come to a close, Brother Kuhn, I wonder if you would just take a minute and just pray for that young person right now that maybe he's feeling the call to ministry and and maybe even to plant a church, you know, or to go on one of these uh, missions trips. And, right. And maybe even that stuck feel. Just, just pray for that young person right now that, that uh, is in All need right. of the Lord. Be glad to. Father, I thank you today for your mercy and goodness. Thank you for this opportunity and venue to, to, to talk with people who have a burden, people who have a desire, people that you are working with, young, young men and young women who you are directing. I pray over them right now. I pray for them. I pray that you give them wisdom beyond themselves. I pray that you give them sensitivity to the things that matter. And that, Lord, we, we have collectively among us a sense of humility and contriteness that you can work with us and in us. God, help us to see that the biggest and best thing we can do is to focus ourselves on being available to you. That all of the measures of the world, whether it's the car we drive or the expensive clothes or, or, or the watch we wear, that all of those things are, are secondary, that all of those things are immaterial, that all of those things can actually be traps that can keep us from being where you can use us like you want to. Father, I pray that you bring into each young person's lives mentors, people that they can talk with, people that they can watch and observe and, and learn from. And for that one who will become a church planner or pastor, uh, evangelist. Uh, God, we need all of them. We, we, we need these ministries, and we need the ministries of young people. Father, develop them to be effective uh, soul winners, to be effective in evangelism, to be effective with influencing others. And I believe, I know this is your kingdom. You desire that we would pray that laborers would be sent to the harvest. And that's where we're at today and what we're asking you to do. Raise up a mighty force and help us, O oh God, to be wise in how to employ that force and take them step by step from high school and college and Bible college and, and university settings to giving next steps toward becoming what you want them to become. In Jesus' name, I pray it, and I give you glory. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Brother Kuhn, for, for being with us. I wonder if you have any, real quick, if you have any resources that you would recommend for a young person to, to look at. Well, the, uh, there, there are several things that are, that are online at the 
UPCI minister website, and I think it's open to anybody that wants to look at it. It's Launch Your Ministry, uh, and it may even be at launchyourministry.com. That's, that's one I would definitely take a look at. The second thing for the person who really is moving toward uh, planting a church is um, recently I've done a series of um, a series of videos called Birthing Healthy Churches, and um, and and it really is pretty practical. It's it's intended to deal with stuff on the front end of it. Um, and then for people, uh, I, I, I really, uh, I really have changed my terminology for years. I talked about leaders, but I've started talking about influence and, and teaching on influence because I'm afraid that when we talk about leaders, in spite of our best intent, people people immediately connote that as being uh, a position. I am a leader because I'm the director of North American Missions. Well, that can be true or not true. And there are people who I'm leading and there are people who I'm not leading. I, I understand that. But but the key term is influence. Um, and and young people who are going to become all they could be for God need to learn about how to influence others. Um, and so a couple of books that I would uh, recommend that are old, you can pick them up at the uh, at a used bookstore, um, John Maxwell's deal on book on uh, developing the leader within you, uh, which is 20 plus years old, I guess. And then it did, did a second one on developing the leaders around you. Those are two that everybody needs to read. And the third uh, even predates uh, Maxwell. Oswald Sanders wrote uh, a book on spiritual leadership, which he just takes the New Testament and gives biblical lessons on spiritual leadership from the life of Christ, the life of Paul, and and some others. So those are those are things. And then anytime a young person can sit down with an elder and do kind of like what you're doing here. I, I used to when when I had the chance to be with Brother Urshan or Brother Beckton uh, or some other leaders, I always had my yellow legal pad. And I had almost a page full of questions that I was ready to ask them. And uh, I I wanted to capture all that I could from them. I didn't want to talk about what I was doing. I wanted I wanted to toss questions where they could they could help me be more effective in the future. I see in young people sometimes that that we want to impress somebody else with what we're doing. But um, I wasn't doing much. I needed all the help I could get. So. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so uh, those are things I think that can really help. And the books that I mentioned are, are re- really, really helped me. Well, Brother Kuhn, thank you again for being with us today and, and your insight into this, uh, what what God is doing, and, and we just appreciate what you're doing as well. So, um, Thank you, Brother Toffee, and I appreciate this forum and the opportunity to to uh, share and, and if any of these folks who listen have questions they can certainly email me at ccoon at upci.org and I'll be glad to help any way I can alright well you have a great day brother Coon God bless you too God bless brother Tapia you've been listening to a ministry mentorship podcast with Jacob Tapia 
Find out more about this resource by going to ministrymentorship.com where you'll find more interviews, inspirational quotes, and other resources to help you develop your ministry. Thanks for listening, and God bless.